Before you use AI to transform your agency, you need to begin with trust. Introducing Watson X Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com federal. IBM. Let's create. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode three of Excuse Me, May I Have Some More? I am Brad Kramer, and I am joined by my co-host, Christine Struble. Did you think we'd make it through three episodes? Uh, no, I, I thought they might cancel us after episode one. You know, I, I had the bottle of champagne waiting to, to kind of say fond farewell to us, but apparently we still have some good life left in us. Well, frankly, you have the bottle of champagne waiting for a day that ends in Y. So earlier this week, Pizza Hut unveiled a new product. I guess it's going to be limited time only, their Detroit Pizza, which was of particular interest to me because I spent part of my childhood in Detroit eating Detroit-style pizza um, from... The king of Detroit-style pizza is a restaurant chain there called Buddy's, and I have watched as that style of pizza has grown in popularity, whether you've got like Lions, Tigers, and Squares, which is uh, had, has brought Detroit pizza to New York City, and other places that uh, have jumped on that bandwagon, and now obviously Pizza Hut on a national level. And I went and ordered it last night on its first night of availability. So have you had a chance yet? I have had a chance to try it out. And you know, one of the things that Pizza Hut tries to do when they launch a new pizza is not only bring a pizza trend to a larger audience, but try to do it in their way. Um, you know, granted, there are going to be specialty Detroit style mom and pop pizzas or, you know, very niche pizza um, groups that do it differently. But Pizza Hut looks to bring a particular style or a particular trend to a larger audience since they are a national chain. Now people can debate whether or not it's a perfect replica of a true Detroit style pizza. Um, But if you look at what it is, I think many people are going to be find it quite enjoyable, 
find it a different pizza experience. And, you know, a lot of thought was put into that um, particular offering that's going to be available for a limited amount of time. I mean, um, if you look at the pizza itself, it, it does have some nods to a classic Detroit style pizza, you know, the, the, the rectangle um, shape, which goes back to how um, the Detroit pizza is a nod to the automotive industry in Detroit because it was made in special pans and that affords it that cheesy crust that kind of goes all the way up to the edge and makes it kind of crunchy and um, has that different texture. And also, you know, they look at putting the sauce on top, which is a classic part to um, this style of pizza as well. When I tasted it, a couple things stood out to me. One, it was the sauce that they used. It's not the traditional Pizza Hut sauce. They, it, it has a little bit of a fresher tomato taste. It um, has a little, almost a little sweeter taste. But I think one of the bigger um, parts of it, while Pizza Hut has four different um, varieties for their Detroit style pizza, the, the double pepperoni one with the pepperoni cups yes. that they're using only on the uh, Detroit style pizza is kind of what sets it apart a little bit. The pepperoni cups have a different flavor to them. Maybe it's a touch spicier, maybe it's the texture issue, um, or whichever, however you want to put it, I think that makes it different than some of their other offerings. I mean, I don't think there's too many other pizzas out there that have over 80 slices of pepperoni on a pizza. So if you like pepperoni, I think that pizza is definitely worth trying. It's something different. I, I don't know if someone could sit down and eat an entire Detroit, that that particular Detroit style pizza on its own because it's, you know, a thicker crust. And I made it halfway through. You made it, seriously? Yeah, see, it's not a giant pizza. But I, in my opinion, because it's a little thicker. Right, but it's not like going to your neighborhood pizzeria and ordering a Sicilian that they only have in one size and it's massive and it takes 14 people and half a football team to finish. This was, I was actually surprised that it wasn't as large and I had no problem knocking out half of it. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. So later in this episode, I talked to Jeff Morrow again, part two of my interview with Jeff. And Jeff is from Chicago, lives in Chicago. So, of course, in an attempt to stir up trouble. Brad stirring up the pot here. I love that. I asked him to talk about Chicago style pizza, of which there are two compared to New York. We discussed Detroit pizza as well. Um, but it's interesting because Chicago is known not just for their deep dish, but also for their thin cut into squares. And I happen to be a huge fan of Chicago deep dish pizza. If you get it again from the right place, whether it's Giordano's the minute I hit the ground in Orlando to head to Universal or Lou Malnati's is another name. I think Jeff may even mention uh, both of those. Um, uh, oh, wait, but you're missing Pequod's. Pequod's yes. has to be like, yes. But see, I'm surprised you don't like that one because they have the cheesy crust. To see, the and edges. I have not had Pequod's. Yeah. 
So I've had it, I've had Giordano's, of course. Uh, Uno's been around forever, um, and some of the others. And then I also, in my case, it's not an either or. I love the Chicago thin crust that's cut into a square, and I have uh, a couple places in the Atlanta area where I live that does both and does both very well. So I can fulfill those cravings pretty much anytime I want. But I was curious, and you've, you've lived in a variety of places as well, what your feelings are, and, and, and we'll hear what Jeff's are when we play that, but uh, what are your feelings about Chicago-style pizza A and B um, and then versus what you've had elsewhere in New York, Detroit, whatever? Well, I, I will say having lived in the Chicago area for a period of time, uh, my, one of my go-tos would be Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza. Their butter crust with the slab of sausage yep. um, uh, across, that would be the one that if I want the really big indulgent meal and I can only eat like a tiny slice of it because it's that crust, it's, it's, I think most of, most of it is the butter crust on it that just makes it so craveable. Um, and luckily that one through Taste of Chicago, you can get delivered. Uh, they'll send it to you frozen across the country. So uh, if you can't go to one of their locations in Chicago, you can get it delivered. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Pequod's, but that some people say that's like the the foodie place to go, but um what about Gino's? I, I don't know. East? Um, I they were they're okay. I never really, you know, it was one of those things. If I was in the city, I kind of went to Pequod's over Gino's East. That's just a personal preference. Uh, nothing bad about them. I'm not going to turn it away. But um, closer to my house, it was always Lou's, and in the city, it was always Pequod's. Um, and then we would have local pizza places that would do that really thin, crispy, crunchy, cut into squares pizza. Um, I can remember like Nick and Vito's is a Chicago staple. Um, but that was just like the typical Friday night pizza night that you get with, with your kids and they're hungry and you can get a, a pizza the size of your kitchen table. That was that thin crust um, cut into squares version that everyone just kind of scarfed down with a couple of beers or sodas or something like that. So were your boys of age enough that when you lived in the Chicago area or does that predate them being aware? No, no, no. My kids were in uh, Chicago until almost the start of middle school. Oh, so... Yeah. Do they have a preference having been exposed, grown up with Chicago style pizza, deep dish and thin, and then the traditional New York that you now get in the hinterlands of Florida? Do they have, as teenagers, do they have pizza preferences? Their pizza preferences mostly go towards the toppings on it. They will run, run, run far away from mom's pizza that has too many vegetables on it because they have been corrupted by their father wanting to have meat, more meat and meat on top of meat. <laughs> so if, if they could have just copious amounts of cheese and sausage and pepperoni and you could put bacon, ground beef, they don't care. Um, but 
a small amount of bread and lots of meat and cheese, I think they would be happy and no vegetables in sight. <laughs> so they don't care the style as long as it's meat. No, well, they, th- I mean, yes, they would prefer a good crust over, you know, something with no flavor or something that tastes like card- cardboard. But I don't think they um, are necessarily to the point where they're going to be a pizza snob and say, oh, I can't have this option because you know it's not my favorite i they do know the difference between a good pizza and a bad pizza that's for sure see and it's funny i have a almost 30 year old son whose taste in pizza runs very heavily towards any that are baked on a conveyor belt which you probably know what I'm referring to, one of Pizza Hut's competitors or several of Pizza Hut's competitors. Um, if he assigned Michelin stars for pizza, it would be to simply to chains whose cars you see driving up on up and down your street with a lit sign on the roof. Um, yeah, I will say that my boys would rather, their tastes probably go a little more towards the mom and pop pizza location versus a, a pizza chain but you know that's again, also they, they, they eat crickets as we learned in last week's episode well, that is very true i mean they they have an interesting food choice when it comes to them when when you uh look at some of the things that they like versus don't like and my my children are not the typical teenagers trust me they will never turn down food because they're always hungry but uh <laughs> Over the past weekend, the when we were at a restaurant, uh, the the younger child really wanted the um, boar ragu pasta wow. over just the plain piece of fried chicken. So, you wow. know, that's that kid. And they ate duck wings, too. They were very happy with their duck wings. As promised, it's time for part two of our interview with uh, Jeff Morrow. Jeff and I talk about his hometown Chicago pizza, how it compares to New York pizza in his mind, his thoughts on pizza in general. We also learn about his new company, Moral Provisions. Sing the praises of the two or three different styles of Chicago pizza versus what people get elsewhere, whether it's New York style, New Haven style, St. Louis style. I, I just, as a Chicagoan, I, I want to hear you hop on the soapbox. Um, I am. Listen, I will never turn down pizza in any form, Brad, <laughs> whether it's gas station pizza, microwave pizza with the little silver cardboard microwave sleeve. Yep. Um, you know, the fanciest, uh, you know, uh, coal fire oven pizza to, you know, neighborhood deep dish. Uh, listen, we love our we're very. This is the difference between pizza in Chicago and elsewhere. And I'm just going to the umbrella of elsewhere is mostly East Coast, sometimes West Coast. Mm-hmm. That's usually has the most words. East first Chicago. Right. Yep. Yes. Brand. So and, and I'm constantly in, in arguments about this or discussions, we should say. <laughs> Plenty to argue about this in this day and age. Pizza should not be one of them. It should be a discussion always. Right. Because it's Absolutely. a beautiful thing, no matter what. Um, growing up, pizza was the event. It was the meal. It wasn't. Uh, a slice to get you from point A to point B and fill your tummy quickly. It was never reheated. It was always served in one whole pizza form. 
either in the pizza joint or delivered to your house. We did not grow up in a culture of slices. There's nowhere like I can maybe on one hand, I can count how many slices of pizza. First of all, one slice of like, who's that? Like, I'm like, how do you carry around four slices of giant pizza? You know, that's pretty much a whole pizza. So, hey, I would I never one slice of pizza was never sufficient. Uh, So so you start with that, right? And the familial, um, you know, uh, communal nature of eating this two, you know, one to three pizzas around the dinner table fighting over that. Number two. Um, it's how the pizza is cut. I do prefer the party cut, the square cut, right? Where you have the dynamics of all these different kinds of slices on each pizza. If you're not familiar about it out there, instead of cutting into triangles, Chicago, our thin crust is cut into squares. So you have the tiny uh, corner pieces, four of them per pizza that you just pop in your mouth like a chip. You have the edges, right, that have this crunch to crisp, them from yep. crust, crisp, but like still got a little bit of chew on the on the interior. And then you got these gooey middle ones that depending on the, you know, robustness of the, you know, the crust, they could be a little foldable, but just gooey and just unbelievable chew on those. So you get you get that and there's something for everybody. So that's how serious we take it. Now, New York, what I don't understand is I've had so many great slices of pizza and pizzas in New York from from all the square cut stuff to uh, uh, Prince Street to uh, 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 Defara. Every like I've had it all. I've I've been I traveled to New York almost every week for 10 years. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm not ignorant to the fact that it's great pizza. I just like to eat my pizza sitting down with a pitcher of beer. And having options. Now, when you talk about deep dish pizza, that's something we we relish and cherish. Uh, but most of us don't eat it that much. It's like a special occasion. It's like birthday pizza, you know, at least in my house. Or uh, it's so-and-so's graduation. We're going to Lou Malnati's and we're going to have a couple pizzas, you know, and get a yep. thin crust for the kids. And that to me is, is there's so many different styles of deep dish, right? You got the stuffed Giordano's style that has an extra layer of dough over the cheese, which I love. Oh my God. With that biscuity crust, you got the flaky layers. It's like you eat it and you almost die each time you try to swallow. There's so much cheese, which (laughs) I have choked. If you listen to the episode of the, uh, come on over podcast of how do we not die where all the morrows have almost died so many times that we couldn't even fit it into one episode. We tell the story about my sister right out of the hospital. Like we're feeding her, you know, cheese pizza, stuffed pizza and she almost died the ambulance came we had to bring her to the it's crazy she really did it's funny but right, like, to to when i say you almost die i've been there i've seen i've seen the life go out of my sister's eyes from too much cheese but <laughs> right it's so gratifying but we don't eat that on friday nights on friday nights you order from the neighborhood you know that uh, tavern style square cut pie with you know crackery thin crust beautiful grande mozzarella from Wisconsin, chunks of house-made sausage, sausage pepperoni in yeah. a salad. That's how we eat our pizza. And God damn it, if it's not the best in the country, you you haven't been to Chicago and had pizza with the Morrow family. All right. I know what I'm All right, Brad, I just Oh, they're coming. They're knocking on my door already. Sonny's at my door right now with the pitchfork. I know she is. We cannot <laughs> stop arguing about this. And I love Sonny and she always, you know, farts on Chicago pizza. But man, I this is this is how I stopped the, the discussion, not the argument, Brad. Yeah, this no, is I how I, I the, the the discussion ends when I say I have had 
New York pizza 400 times from 300 different places. I mean, you might have had one or two pieces of Chicago pizza, you know, so I've you know, I grew up. You know, I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable on the subject. That's what I'm saying, Brad, which is why. And it's funny because part of my childhood was spent in suburban Detroit. Okay, and very oh, so you got to, oh my God, the best. The Buddy's Pizza, Detroit, Detroit style pizza, which is now being emulated by places in New York, here in Atlanta. And so uh -huh. suddenly people are becoming aware of Detroit pizza. Obviously, everybody talks about, oh, I, I grew up in New York. I know what a New York slice is. But I love Chicago deep dish. I love Chicago thin. And just you describing your your family dinners with the salad and the, the thin crust, you've just determined my dinner for tonight. So thank you. <laughs> I know. I'm, my wife's making red lentils. <laughs> Ooh. You know, we've. this is the thing. Since I threw out my back, you mentioned it up top. I did throw it out last Saturday. It's been I've, this has never happened to me. I've never spent this long, like not working out hard, at least four five days a week. I've been pretty I mean, I've been walking and stuff. But so like my diet is very locked in right now. And all I want to do is eat pizza. But I will drink beer tonight with my lentils. There you go. Oh, there. That's half halfway there. But I love the Detroit style. Moral provisions. Was it something that you set out to do pre pandemic or because of the change of everybody's lifestyles from a dining standpoint during the pandemic? Or did the pandemic help accelerate an idea that you've had germinating in your mind? Number three, I'm going with Brad. Um, I wanted, I've been involved in brands before, we'll say, in ventures yep. um, that did not work and crashed into the mountain, if you will, that I had very little control over, uh, that I had partners that were very, uh, you know, just, you know, not the best of partners. And I never, brands I represented hard, you know what I mean? Yep. Blood, sweat and tears for zero, zero money that I never felt comfortable. So my goal pre pandemic after my last venture failed was like, I, whatever I do next, I, I just, I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to make sure it's something I love that I can't wait to sell. And I, I don't want to, I'm not signing like sell like QVC sell, which I would love to, to go on and sell Q, my product on QVC. But it was like, I want to provide it to the masses, something I'm super proud of that people can't get. So it really like, you know, the, the, the first point was I want to sell this meat that I grew up eating, that I grew up going to this meat packer. It wasn't even a butcher shop. It was a, a meat factory. Brad, that was down the street from the house I grew up on and the butchers in there lived on the same block as my grandma and my mom growing up and her dad the same and with my grandpa. And I was like, why can't I go to the coasts, the East Coast, the West Coast, all over and not get the same Italian sausage that I grew up eating? Like, it's never is good. I'm yeah. like, this stuff is, it's not like cheap. I mean, it's very affordable compared to like going to Whole Foods and buying Italian sausage there. It's a quarter of the price and it's so much better. I'm like, why? So it started with this and me ordering meat during the pandemic. So the pandemic was the catalyst as far as I needed meat. They're running low on meat at the Whole Foods and at the butcher shop down the street. So my guy called my guy. I'm like, let me call Vic up. Hey, can you guys send over a box of this? Boom, boom. And I'm like, oh my God, this makes sense. He's like, you know, I'm doing a lot of this mail order direct to consumer butcher boxes. Let's talk about it. And that was really the, like the germination of it. And we launched from there and then we had ideas and I'm like, well, if I can ship meat, I could ship Jardinera. I can ship Italian beef and all this stuff. And it just grew from there. And literally it was just me and my ideas 
with my partner, Vic Bomprezi, who's, you know, fourth generation meat packer, mm-hmm. you know, no nonsense. I mean, meat guys talk about, you know, I, I think shady partners in the restaurant business were rough. I mean, these guys, they're rough in a whole different, you know, they got like meat hooks for hands. Right. Yep. And they, they work all day in a, uh, you know, refrigerated, if not <laughs> freezer facility. So, you know, the no bullshit. So like grassroots. And that's what I love about it. And we've been growing steadily and, and doing well. And we launched the Jardinera in our prime Italian beef boxes and people love it. It's like I put it out there and I'm nervous. Right. But not in like not in the same way I was nervous about like people coming into my restaurants and having a bad experience, which happened a lot. And then you get bad Yelp reviews and you get this and it keeps you up at night for years. Right. This is like, it's unanimously great because we started small and we're still small and every co-packer I have, every partner, everything's family based from uh, the, the, the family that makes our hot jardinera is fourth generation, the Formellas, to the box company. It's the third generation. To the guy making my hats and T-shirts, it's the fourth generation. All three to fourth generation Chicago families. And I believe that's the key to success. It might be slow growing. You know, I'm not like in Walmart and we're not even trying to do that. I'm just trying to provide something, you know, unique and delicious to everybody. I love the packaging on your Jardinera. Thank you. There's something really clean and contemporary and sharp about it and it stands out and i just just a little aside from some some schlub sitting in atlanta georgia that's what i was gonna ask where are you from because you probably can't get it in your main grocery stores and stuff can you no okay so i, I, I hear it's so ubiquitous there's there's shelves of it you know um so i wanted to stick out on the shelves and we're only in like a couple they're like in one mom and pop place uh gene and georgetti's which is like a famous steakhouse yep, where like commissary and we're at caputo cheese market that sells like cheese so we're, we're just but i wanted it to stick out in a shelf not only but also like i wanted someone to open a package with three of these and have like a beautiful color palette represented that's representative of the colors in the jardinera um which is the most if in up against any jard jardinera on the planet it is by far, I wanted to call it rainbow jardinera because it's so, <laughs> and then people would get confused about it. Is it sweet? Is it the can? So I'm like, screw it. Let's just call yeah. it. It's, it's, <laughs> let's keep, let's keep to the original, but it's so colorful with, with all the vegetables in four different kinds of peppers, each its own color. And I wanted the, the label just to be strong. And I, I wanted my name represented, you know, nothing gimmicky, nothing. And I'll tell you about the icons. If you look at all our packaging, from the beef to all the steaks to uh, the jardinera and a couple other things we have coming out. Each of those icon in those kind of crosshair things yep. are each different. Right. And that was my idea, which was inspired by a binge session of Ozark at the beginning of the pandemic, where if you watch Ozark, they have a different icon in that X kind of thing, representative of just plot lines that happen throughout the episode. Interesting. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And my buddy, my best friend in the world, who's a graphic artist, designed every single label we have. Oh, so I didn't go. I know. I, I keep trying to pay him too, Brad. But he went to, and then I'm like, so let me take you on a trip. But now we can't go anywhere. So it's like, you know how it is. But Eventually our sons are best friends. Our wives are best friends. And we're best friends. So like it's our, and he happens to be, oh, he'll collect in it one day. Don't, I'm going to force him on a, like, you know, <laughs> blind, put a bag over his head, throw him in a windowless van and take him to O'Hare. The Italian beef package bundle mm-hmm. that you actually sold out of 
before the holidays. It, it, so you're clearly getting legs on this. Yeah, it's um. listen, we shouldn't have sold out, uh, but that's the nature of of how we're doing business right now. You know, it's a very small operation like these guys can cut a oh, oh, hundred thousand pounds of meat a day, package it, send it throughout the world. But we're adding different elements like recipe cards and personal flares and touches and letters and different packaging and all this stuff, you know, so it's uh, you know, I'm, I changed up their, their process a little bit, but you know, with, with, with the familial element of it, there is, you know, it's, it's not a huge operation. So when things run out, it's like, you got to make another batch and that takes a week. So it's good. It's, you know, I, I want to just sell as much as I can, but I think ultimately if we keep it small like that and run out of our batches, it's just going to make the product that much better. And I'm so, I'm telling you, I've been eating Italian beef my whole life. I mean, the Jardinera is obviously the best Jardinera I've ever had. We go through at least a jar a week. That is not an exaggeration. Right. But the beef is, it's so damn good because every time, you know, you got like beef stand beef where you go to the famous beef stands around Chicago and you have these beautiful experiences. And then every beef you bring home, whether it's like from a Portillo's or even Johnny's, yep. it's never the same experience, right? You either buy crappy bread and then you put the good beef in it or you have the right bread that you somehow managed to find. And then you let your beef, you know, your mom or your aunt boils the beef in the juice and then it turns into shoe leather. So it's like, how do you like if you order my beef, the instructions, they look wordy, but it's it's the simplest thing to prepare. But I'm just very anal about it because I want everybody to have this pleasurable experience because it is by far the best Italian beef I've ever had. It melts in your mouth. It's so good. And you get the right bread and the right jardinera with it. So people are really responding well to that because a lot of people, Arizona, Florida, a lot of transplants that can't get it over there properly have right. been uh, you know, being able to replicate it to a T at home. Being a Chicago boy, you, you obviously know Ernie Banks was Mr. Baseball. <laughs> Jeffrey is now Mr. QVC. Can he hook a guy up? <laughs> he is Mr. QVC. I mean, the guy, the guy, I think he did. I think he did three hours on QVC from his shower the other night. I think he's selling loofahs now. He's turned into Ron Popeil. He's amazing. I mean, I'll tell you what, just to, uh, before I, I answer your question directly, Jeffrey Zakarian is the hardest working human I've ever met in my life. <laughs> but whatever success, whatever beautiful hoodie he wears, whatever cashmere, he deserves every ounce of it. And he loves his family above and beyond everything. And that is a fact. And he's the greatest mentor I could ever hope for. He's great. That's Anytime awesome. I call him, he'll pick up the phone and he'll give me advice. No, I wasn't uh, making fun of him. No, was- we actually, no, I know. But I'm just like saying that, you know, because people's like, I just want the money. No, he works his ass off. And listen, we have had conversations about QVC, but you know, like the volume they do is insane, right? Like he sells way more product in like a day than we do in a week. So I don't want to over exert the facilities we use right now. That makes sense. Get stuff out or my team. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking big in, in, in a different way. Not ultimately, you know, I do want to grow to, the, we're building a brand new. Now, again, where this, where our uh, fulfillment center is, if you call it that, our, you know, our meatpacking facility mm-hmm. uh, is, is the same location. It's been forever couple blocks away from the house I grew up with till I was 11, you know, a couple blocks from my mom grew up. We're building across the street, a brand new fulfillment center, right? A facility with a show kitchen in there, a test kitchen, actual offices, things like of this that I'm so excited about, you know, and that like, once that opens, we can really explode this. 
you know, operation. But if, if, if Jeffrey tomorrow's like, Hey man, I got you a spot on QVC. I don't know. It'd be a hard decision. I'm not going to lie. It yeah, might have to be a, a pass. You know, that's the responsible thing to do. Responsible. So you don't become stretched thin. Exactly. And, and then the product suffers. And right now it's so good that I know there's a way to replicate it in the millions. Yep. We're just not there yet. Not no, a I, chance. So Christine and I may share Jeff Morrow's uh, love of Chicago style pizza. However, when Jon Stewart was still hosting The Daily Show, he had a different take on Chicago pizza. So let me explain something. Deep dish pizza is not only not better than New York pizza, <laughs> it's not pizza. <laughs> it's a casserole. I'm surprised you haven't thought to complete your deep dish pizza by putting some canned onion rings on top of it. It's a cornbread biscuit which you've melted cheese on and then, in defiance of God and man and all things holy, you poured uncooked marinara sauce atop the cheese. Atop! This is not pizza! This is tomato soup in a bread bowl! Let me tell you something about your not pizza. I want to know when I get drunk and pass out on my pizza that I'm not going to drown. <laughs> when I look at your deep dish pizza, I don't know whether to eat it or throw a coin in it and make a wish. And if I made a wish, it would be that I wish for some real pizza. Now, now. <laughs> I love New York pizza too, John, but Chicago deep dish still rocks. As a matter of fact, I invite you onto this podcast anytime you want so we can discuss the merits of New York pizza versus Chicago deep dish. And that's going to do it for episode three of Excuse Me, May I Have Some More, the foodcast with an insatiable appetite. My name is Brad Kramer. On behalf of my co-host, Christine Strubel, we can't thank you enough for joining us and look forward to having you again next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.